0: All right, Lukas, how are you doing?
1: I am doing fantastic.
0: Cool. Um, You're currently in Berlin, Germany, right?
1: Yes, I'm here for two weeks, mainly for the Berlin Alley Film Festival, which has its own little VR selection, but also because just to be in Berlin, it's never a bad idea.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Are you um, kind of like taking part in the Berlin Alley or...? Just as a spectator? No,
1: no. Just I, I just wanted again. I just wanted an excuse to come here. Um, (laughs) But I was, yeah, I was just coming to be part of the events and see stuff.
0: Okay, cool. And did you? um, So, where are you going to next after Berlin?
1: Actually, gonna do a quick stop by Barcelona and then head back to San Francisco for GDC and all of that stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm not sure where it comes after that. I'm still figuring it out.
0: It sounds cool. Where are you from originally?
1: I'm originally from Brazil. Yeah. Rio de Janeiro. Um, I left my home country and town about five years ago now. And initially moved to New York. But yes, Brazil is my country of origin.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, so how do you like the... I mean, can I call it nomad, digital nomad lifestyle, or is that not a term you you like?
1: Yeah, that's 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 the term. It, we you know. which just means that you. Uh, I've I've been living in Airbnb for a year and a half now, and I really enjoy it. No one asks me about my credit, which is great, because <laughs> um, my credit actually is not very good because I don't like credit cards. Um, yeah. and it's it's been pretty amazing. I feel like I'm growing a lot as a person. You know, you get to. Switch countries however often you want to. You get to be economically reactive as well. So mm-hmm. if I'm not doing good on money, I can go to like Vietnam for a little while. But I have been traveling a little bit too much. I think the sweet spot is to spend like a month in a city before mm-hmm. moving to the next one. And I've been changing cities every two weeks, which is like way too much. Wow. But it's it's still been, been amazing. Um, and it's the kind of lifestyle that was only possible until pretty recently. Um, and of course you need to be like a freelancer or have a company that allows for remote work, but it's, it's been great. I would recommend it. If you can do remote work and be a freelancer, taxes are complicated. though. <laughs>
0: yeah. T- yeah, how, yeah. I agree. I am, um, you know, we have been doing something similar for the past three years, although not as, so we haven't switching cities or countries as much as you have. Um for us like for us the sweet spot until now has been like half a year. Um just because mm. um we felt like after a couple of months you only start to like get into the vibes of the city, you know, once you've done like stuff that locals would do, like you know, you do your laundry, you do kind of like, go to the grocery store and I know. Um and the and, and like for us it was it has been like looking for an apartment or like an Airbnb was um, always like very time co- costly. So we're like, okay, we don't want to do that every month. How, how do you handle that? Are you super efficient at finding a new Airbnb? Uh,
1: well, so there's a couple of things. To me, it's more, um, I guess it is still expensive if you compare with local prices, but it is not expensive compared to like the cost of living in New York or LA. It's mm-hmm. always cheaper than that. Um, so I have been just like taking a little bit of the hit, I guess but I'm still saving money compared to living in the cities that I used to live in the U S. Um, and you can also, you also start, you know, there are monthly discounts for longer stays on Airbnb. So that helps a little bit and not, not a lot of people know this, but you can actually negotiate Airbnb prices directly with the hosts by messaging them before you book. And I just make sure that I do that every single time and it works. Yes.
0: So you just say, what do you tell them? Like you're this freelancer, you don't have a lot of money, you want to stay for, for a month if they can do something about the price or how do you approach it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I usually like, uh, I, I, see what the, I see what their price is and then I just, I just ask of like, you know, this is a little bit beyond my budget, which is usually true. And I ask them if they can do this value. Um, and I'd, I'd say about, about half of people agree pretty much right away. Wow. So it's, yeah, it helps. Little yeah, tricks like that.
0: That's a great trick. I got to start doing that. <laughs> and do you also have a trick on finding like a good Airbnb quickly? I mean, do you usually, I guess at this point, you're very good at like selecting and screening Airbnbs and you know knowing intuitively, oh, this is probably a shitty one or this is a good one.
1: Yeah, it's it's always making sure that you have like, you know, high high star ratings that's that's important and i to me a location actually matters more than um anything so i I just try to make sure that whatever wherever it is that i'm booking that the airbnb that i have has a five-star location rating because that means that you can just walk places and you're in a nice area to um Cause it's like I don't think it makes sense to like come to Berlin for a month, for example, and just stay on the outskirts of the city. I'd rather stay close to where the action is. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. But yeah. You know, look look for places with actual reviews is the main one. If uh, it's going to places with no reviews is always like you're priming yourself for disappointment.
0: I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um probably also makes it hard then for people to get started on the Airbnb right <laughs> like in the beginning yes, you have yeah. yeah
1: yeah you or they have to like really lower the price to justify the risk but i i just got yeah i had bad experiences getting places with like a small number of ratings so i just don't bother cuz i don't want to deal with it also because i'm doing long term stays mm-hmm. but but yes yeah. Those welcome to Lucas's Airbnb tips. This was the end of the program, I think.
0: <laughs> it's good. Um, let's switch to a different topic then. Um, Fortnite. <laughs> people say Fortnite.
1: Oh, we're talking about Fortnite?
0: We will, just for a second. Um, okay. Here people, we go. Say, people say Fortnite is the next social network or social media. <laughs> uh, why are you doing that? this
1: to me? <laughs> it's It's... It's, it's fine. Uh, so it, Fortnite, you know, it's, 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 a, it has become a pretty powerful social platform. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like when people call it as like a social media platform or when they talk about it, like it's something new because community, like game-based communities are something that has, have existed for like decades. Um, and really Fortnite that we, as we see it today, is just, an extension of those online communities and what's been happening for the past like 20 years but at a much larger scale and with lots you know this time with lots of mobile devices and lots of microtransactions moving in hundreds of millions of dollars every month so i think it shows like the progression of social games but i wouldn't call it the future of social networks i don't think um i don't think adults are just going to like hang out in Fortnite in the future um yeah i think the future of social network is going to be something very different but it's great for newer generations that get to grow in these online environments where they can make friends and connect and practice social skills because i I grew up in team fortress 2 communities and Mm -hmm. they actually played a huge role in my you know and me forming and learning to become an adult and have responsibilities and stuff like that (laughs)
0: Yeah, I it's interesting take. So so what do you think then will how will social networks evolve if you, you said they're going to be become something completely different?
1: Well, I was okay, so I will say that um I do think, you know, virtual and augmented reality given that they are the next computing platforms, they definitely the next major social platforms that go beyond, you know, video and AI algorithms, which is something that, we, that we've been seeing with TikTok. Um, it will have to be built up from the ground up for those future mediums. But it's, it's hard to know exactly what shape the social, the the social networks will have, but you can bet on it having certain characteristics. Um, And one of them is, which is something that I think it's very underexplored is that whatever the social network is in the future, it has to be an asynchronous social network. So, there's two types of communication. There's synchronous communication, which is like like we're doing right now. We're communicating in real time. Skype is an example of that, phones, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: asynchronous communication, which is not bound by time, like emails. I send you an email and you can read that email at any time in the future, right, at, at your own convenience. Um, Social networks, the big ones that we know today, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that stuff, they are all in email, they're all asynchronous, and that's because it's massively not only it's massively convenient, but the value of the content generated builds up with time. The things that I post are you know can be experienced by someone a week later, a year later, or even ten years later, um, and that even became a problem with Twitter and comedians making jokes that <laughs> didn't age well, for example. Um, but it's, so yeah, the thing that I've been thinking is like, okay, what are some asynchronous social formats that can be explored in virtual and augmented reality? And the answer is, like, I haven't seen anything besides, like, you see a lot of synchronous social networks, and that's VR Chat, New Horizons, um, Altspace, Rec Room, they all follow the same format, they just get human communication as we understand it today, and they put it in VR. Um, but I, I think that just, just from the simple fact of like the buildup of value over time, um, the thing with synchronous connections and social VR, um, as of right now, is that all the value exists in the present, Mm -hmm. then it dissipates into the air. Um, yeah. So that's actually what I've been trying to figure out as well. Like what does asynchronous social networks look like in virtual reality? And the only example I've found of it so far is where thoughts go. (laughs) <laughs> the thing that I made, which I think is unacceptable, um, given how I think it's a, its just a mathematical fact that social networks have to be asynchronous. Um, yeah. But yeah, I also actually think in augmented reality. I really believe in the power. I don't want to go on this too long, this tangent too long. But I really believe in the power of social AR objects, which are augmented reality objects that are have you know that have a social layer to them. Um, And I I do think of uh, of maybe the future of social networks not just being like this massive giant platform where everyone connects in, but because of social networks becoming a bunch of augmented reality social objects that exist in your home and connect you to people in unique ways.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I guess that, that would be like my initial bet. Actually, yeah I believe in the power of social objects, and I think a r is going to let us create lots of magical things that would not be possible with physical objects or would be extremely expensive to do with physical objects
0: yeah I mean that's an interesting interesting thought um, um i I guess I've never thought about the asynchronous nature of um, social networks being that important, but I think you're completely right now I think there are some um Aspects that are asynchronous maybe like in a rec room where you build a room that's there forever, so to speak. Um, you know what I mean? Or um, in probably Facebook. Or yeah, I, but I
1: wouldn't say yeah. the social interaction is asynchronous. It's just the, con- the, the content. Um, I, I, was, I was looking at it more in terms of like the social interactions between people being the, 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 the key thing that's um, in an asynchronous fashion. And in Rec Room, all social interactions are synchronous, but the environment around them has permanence.
0: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So and then in you know in where thoughts go, your um your app or would you call it a game? What do you call it actually?
1: It's a thing.
0: <laughs> your thing. Um which I you know I you know I played it and I really like it. It's um it's it's I was really surprised at at uh Kind of like I wasn't expecting. I knew what it was about before I don't before I installed it. You know, like I knew the I knew of it. I knew the concept, obviously, but I still went like when when you start playing it, then um, it's like you're like kind of like um, positively surprised. You know, um, and I've had this with a few VR titles. Um, I've never had this with like kind of like a flat screen games. You know, or apps or less i would say but i think um where thoughts go was one of the recent examples that i'm stuck out to me is um where uh you need to kind of like experience it to see kind of like the magic of of the of the of the thing um and obviously asynchronous communication is a core part of it can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea when did you start working on it you know a little bit the history of it?
1: Yeah, um, I've always, you know, I've always had like a, an innate curiosity about people and where they're from, what their life story is, and what makes them tick. And where thoughts go is in many ways an extension of that curiosity. Um, it's very common for me to go out alone at bars and just start, start conversations with strangers and ask them really personal questions. And that's where thoughts go in a nutshell. <laughs> but yeah, back in 2017, I was trying to teach myself how to code and I actually started in mid-2016 and I slowly built up, there was always this project that I wanted to, to build, which was um, a phone app where people could just leave voice messages about how they're feeling and just share that anonymously. And one day I, was, I went to a VR hackathon. And I realized I had no mobile app building experience, but I had some Unity experience that I had learned over the past couple of months. And I decided to prototype that idea and I did, and it felt pretty amazing. Um, I was surprised by the things that people were saying. I was surprised how it felt to explore audio messages left by others. And yeah, once, once I, I had that feeling, I knew that I was onto something and then I just spent the next couple of months I'm polishing up the prototype and figuring it out how to make it work beyond the first, you know, 60 seconds of this is pretty cool. Um, Which is always, I think the 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 really difficult thing. So things just flowed um, pretty naturally from there. Originally the project did not have any prompts or questions. You would just leave whatever message that you wanted. Um, I did make an augmented reality version where people would leave messages around the world and that didn't really work. And I've had so many people contact me on Twitter saying that they're working on this thing and I keep trying to tell them that it won't work, but okay. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, it just, it just came up pretty organically. I'd say the project is an extension of who I am as a person. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's relatively unique and that's why, you know, it was kind of, yeah, I was never trying to make it. It was just happening.
0: That's always a good thing, that's always a good sign. Why didn't the AR conflict version not work?
1: Um, the, okay, the simplest way of saying is that it's um, just putting voice messages in space is not, is not that, number one, it's not that interesting. Um, and number two, the main problem actually was that um, each voice message had its own context of which it was inserted in. Some people will put a message on this bench because something happened in this bench, and other people will put a message in which they would just rap about cheese. And the randomness—it it sounds interesting, but like most, the most content isn't that interesting. And each message has, you know, has its own context. So when you're listening to new content, you're trying to figure out, like, wait, what is this person talking about? What's going on? And uh, most people are not very good at communicating those things to strangers. So it was just a bunch of random audio messages that had no connective tissue um, that were just scattered around space. And it was like, okay, that's cool, I guess. But it it didn't really do a good job of taking you through a more thoughtful, I think, emotional experience. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it just felt too random, too purposeless. And yeah yeah making it smaller in vr actually allowed me to get more control over what was happening and design a more thoughtfully curated path
0: yeah that that's an interesting insight i think it's one of those ideas you know where you i mean the ar part where you had where you said people also reach out to you on twitter and say they're working on it it's like the first first time you, you have that idea it seems like oh it's the best idea ever and then you start doing it and then <laughs> when you do it you realize oh shit it's like hindsight is twenty twenty, you know one of those
1: yeah that is like the vr and ar in a nutshell um most thing, so many things sound amazing in your head and then when you build them you find out it doesn't work for all these reasons and it is one one of the things that makes it exciting but also desperating um
0: yeah do you think um, if you would make where thoughts go on a mobile, like a normal mobile app or as a web app, um, would it, would it work? Would it work as well as in VR?
1: Um, no, it would not. No. Um, I, I think a lot of the value um, of of things like virtual reality sometimes is actually quite hidden um, in the fact that in, in where thoughts go, that you are in, Basically, in an immersive space, fully full of distraction, in which you're just like fully invested in that world and listening to people, in basically getting into your your own headspace. I think that makes a huge difference. And there's there's also a bunch of things about how our brains work when we enter certain spaces. And by basically, you know, I'm training you to go into this virtual space to be more open about your feelings and sharing your stories. You can also prime people to have certain kinds of behavior. So not not only the VR is a great it's a it's a great space to be introspective in and to focus on and with mobile apps i'm like competing with the real world around you and i'm competing with all this stuff that's happening on your phone and all the notifications and you're not really in it you know like yeah VR gives me full control of your senses and then i can actually take you into more interesting paths than have to enter the the i guess the gladiator ring that is people's smartphones yeah as far as attention is concerned
0: yeah it's true like um like i personally when i was playing where thoughts go in the beginning i was um i think it really helped me to listen to some of the answers or um voice messages before i was kind of like i felt ready to record my own i was like in, in, not intimidated but like shy about it you know um, yeah it's, it's like a hard hard to explain like that feeling um where you not ashamed but you know almost like uh yeah intimidated maybe it's the best word to describe it um and this probably differs from person to person but um you know i'm not like a shy person in real life so it's like interesting to kind of like explore that um it's uh Really yeah, cool.
1: people are vulnerable at different rates. Um, some people are, you know, ready to share and be vulnerable immediately. Others take a little bit of time and others um, simply will never budge. Um, and it's important that you design a UX that accommodates all of that. Um, and to me, when I was building Where Thoughts Goes, I was, I was trying to build, a, you know, a UX of trust in which people could have, do everything at their own pace, take their time, um, never feel pressured. I mean, always pressure them a little bit, like, you know, it's with, with mechanics, like you can only move forward, um, in, 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 in the application if you leave messages behind, but like, mm-hmm. you could theoretically leave an empty message, but I'm not going to tell you, I'm only, yeah. you know, I'm going to let you figure out that loophole for yourself after you've actually tr- at the very least tried to leave something behind and to exercise, um, you know the the act of sharing, and also building everything under the the idea of you know you you take and you know you're taking people's um, thoughts and emotions and everything, but now for you to move forward, you need to give. there's always this this um, quote unquote transactional element of fairness of mm-hmm you're you're listening into these people's lives the least you can do is leave a little something behind and if you do you get to move forward
0: yeah that's uh, that does feel great um it seems it seems fair yeah what's some do you um i was wondering do you listen do you listen to all the messages and kind of like approve them before their life or how does that work
1: um there is a moderation system in place when it's needed. And I activate it usually when I'm launching new chapters, just to make sure that the, um, the first wave of content is clean, but then I just turn it off. Um, I, I used to listen to everything in the beginning, but then I stopped because number one, it got um, the numbers got crazy. Once the project started being shown into some like um, some events in which like a hundred thousand people saw it in like two months. And that was it was just impossible for me.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: But, um, yeah, but also it was a little bit, um, it's actually a little bit emotionally, it was very emotionally taxing, listening mm-hmm. to a lot of things. I actually have a hard time playing Where Thoughts Go Nowadays, um, just because it feels like prayers, listening to prayers sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it gets a little heavy. I I, I, need, I need to hire a therapist to keep working on this project. <laughs> But, yeah, I did build a moderator. like, I, I built, the, I designed the whole game thinking about the worst people of the internet from the ground up. And, you know, always thinking, of like, oh, if 4chan launches a raid on this project, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And making sure that I have fail safes for everything so the thing never, um, never, can never really become a problem. So, and I think that's an important thing for designers to do is to design products thinking about the worst of humanity in mind. Um, And that's how you, um, that's how you protect yourself. And that can be applied not only to software, but to everything, including political systems. Usually political systems that fail, they fail to, because they were not designed to account, you know, with the worst actors. And that's where the biggest weaknesses of them are.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good um, way of thinking about, about systems in general. Yeah. Yeah. So and you know, did you can you talk about how many voice messages have been recorded? Is that something to talk about publicly?
1: Um yeah, I don't know anymore. Um
0: like a bullpark? I
1: mean it's 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 what maybe um I think it just just crossed the million a couple of wow. days
0: ago. Shit. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's, it's
1: I, again, I, I stopped counting also because I'm trying to start working on new projects. I want to keep updating where thoughts go, but only to, to the point in which I guess um, as, as, as long as people keep playing it and, and, and buying on, on stuff on the quest, then I can actually justify updating the experience because also I'm having to like be a grown up adult and um, worry about surviving financially.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's it's getting pretty large.
0: Is it mostly it's available on the on the on the Oculus Go, on the Oculus Quest and also PC VR?
1: Um it's not on the Go. I almost finished oh, okay. the version. I, I don't know why I didn't actually finish it. Um but it's it's on the quest and on PC VR. Okay. Um but also a big chunk of all those messages come from like events. Because the yeah, like events are actually a great place for virtual reality and a great way to access a lot of people that are not usually um, in the medium.
0: Like what kind of events do they, I mean, do they have like a VR headset set up with where thoughts go on it, on the event where people play it or how does it work?
1: I mean, it depends. There's some some traveling events that happen um, semi-regularly like Wonder Spaces, which happens, I think, every three to six months and it's, it's a pretty big operation. And then you have things like arcades and all sorts of other stuff.
0: Okay. So, and is it like they reach out to you? They ask, Hey, Lucas, can I, can we install, can we have where those go? Or do they just download it from the store and you find out about it later somehow?
1: Um, No, there's usually, I mean, if you're doing things correctly, um, then there's usually, you know, licensing for, location-based entertainment Mm -hmm. and events is usually a separate thing that needs to be negotiated separately but you know it can go both ways you can hunt down for events like that or you can just um, wait for them to come to you but it's usually a mixture of both
0: okay yeah and and you look
1: for them and then they find you
0: yeah would you say that uh, most of the the most most of the players or most of the you know, messages are from from events or from which platform? From which kind of like quest versus PC VR versus events? Um, uh,
1: yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say I'd say there's there's more messages coming from from events, but I'm not like very specific about numbers from each platform.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Also,
1: because they don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, it's hard to say. Cool. So, you know, what's the What's a little bit like the feedback from people, um, about where those go, what do they like, like most about it? And, and yeah, that would be interesting to know.
1: Um, I think people like the fact that it's more of, it's, it's a simpler, more meditative experience that touches them in in a way that they wouldn't expect to be touched in, in virtual reality. Um, a lot of the experiences right now, they focus on like high octane action and, and stuff of the sort, you know, like video gamey um associated feelings. So um, I, I don't think anyone expects to feel what they feel once they get into the Thoughts Go. And I think people value having that feeling. But um, I also think that people value being challenged because Where Thoughts Go is, is kind of like a puzzle game where you are the puzzle. <laughs> and it's yeah um i i think it does new things it's it's a pretty unique project and it challenges people in very particular ways and i think that's what people like about it
0: yeah and, and do you see people coming back um over and over again you know how how do people use it
1: um yeah that i mean there's there's all kinds of users. There's people who use it a lot and are like the power users. And there's people who use it once and then never again. It's a mixture of both.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) And uh, do you see, so where do you see it developing? Do you want to keep, because you mentioned you're working on a new project. So um, is it going to be based off of where thoughts go? Or is it like a completely new direction?
1: No, it's a completely different thing. It's an interactive comedy.
0: Interactive colony, sounds great. Can you tell us already more about that?
1: Um, Yeah, I've been prototyping a lot on on my Twitter and stuff with the idea of having um, narratives in which the the main characters are your hands. And now I have a written script and I have an idea. I just have to kind of like overcome my... uh, My little bit of VR burnout and find my love for... Medium again, so I can actually go and execute it.
0: <laughs> Why do I have a VR burnout? Um,
1: I mean, the stuff that I work on is is, is usually pretty weird, and it's you know I have to. Um, before I made where thoughts go, ninety nine percent of people thought it wouldn't work, and it would tell me it wouldn't work for this reason and for that reason, and everyone's super skeptical. But then you know after I got to actually execute it and show people the full vision then people started getting on board Mm -hmm. but that process of going from of like no one believes in you because the stuff that you're working on is a little bit out there and weird into like okay trying to convince everyone why this project's important why these ideas are important why they're interesting Um, and basically fight with everyone for like a year and a half before you've only when you're like ninety percent done with the work, people start to believe in you. It's a very tiresome process,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I've been finding that with my um, new projects. Like people wondering whether, like, oh, but is comedy important? Which I think is like extremely important. It's like, oh, but is this is this format really gonna work? Is this you know? It's it's just you get tired of being questioned all the time. At one point, and I do have to go through this process of again of spending a year and a year and a half just, you know, trying to convince people that my ideas are good. And it's just, it's just an exhausting process.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, You know, having started companies before and now also with with our VR game, um, I think as an entrepreneur or creator or artist, I think this is something happens commonly, um, especially if you're doing things that are as you said a little bit out there not mainstream but i think you know those are the those have the potential to be the most interesting projects if you do something that if you like if you have an idea and like 99 percent of the people you talk to says oh yeah i think that's a great idea then you probably should not do it <laughs> i think see, it's actually a good sign
1: <laughs> yeah um but i guess i also became like um I, I, I do believe that that kind of approach creates the most interesting projects, but it's, it's also like when you focus on, inno- when you focus on innovating um, concepts and formats, you're usually, um, you, ha- you have to make some sacrifices. Like I need to, um, if I want to do something that's really, really weird, I'm going to probably hurt my ability to make a four to six hour game full of content that would be quote unquote worth people's money. Mm-hmm. So it's the yeah it's 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 a lot of work for a risk and for like quite a big risk and at the end of it you also run the risk of like nobody buying your game because it's ten dollars and it's like even though it's super unique it's like forty minutes long and people are leaving reviews saying that the game should be free because it's forty minutes long. And um, I had a little bit of that with where the clubs go. And that got me a little bit tired, especially because it's like, it's a lot of work to make something that's really unique. And even though it has a really, really strong community that loves it and it's super engaged with it, you also do feel that it's kind of like undervalued by the larger community, which is, you know, not to say that it's, I, I don't want to sound too negative because I, I know I do, but those are the feelings that I'm like trying to overcome right now to basically go like and be like, okay, I'm going to do another pra- crazy project that I have no idea if it's going to work and I have no idea if it's going to make me any money and just going to hope for the best, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, gamers, <laughs> the gaming community can be brutal, um, which, you know, is is a big part of the of the VR community today, our gamers, I would say. But I think that's changing. Um, it's getting bigger. Um, so how would you deal with you know with those reviews or like with the people saying that it's not worth like 10 bucks
1: I mean it's 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 worth for some people and it's not worth for others a lot of people would pay and have openly said that they would pay um you know more money for the experience Mm -hmm. it's I I guess it's like you know, it, it, I don't I don't let it bother me too much, but it's like it, it, there's just like the added aggregate component of lots of little frustrations over time um, that make you wonder whether the whole thing's worth it. But there's no, you know, that's the answer of like what to do with these is just like shrug and be like, OK, I guess and and move on. There's not much to I guess that I can say about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, take it or leave it, right? (laughs) No one's forcing you to buy the game. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So your new game, um, do you already have a name or like a project name for it?
1: No, no. The name is going to be the last thing. Yeah. Okay.
0: um, Can you talk in in more more detail how how it would work or you want to leave that what you said?
1: Um, it's, it, it's an interactive comedy where your hands are the main characters and they also ha- are alive and they have minds of their own. And that's basically the, the, the premise. So you're puppeteering these characters throughout a bunch of scenes and sometimes you have full control over what they're doing. And sometimes they're just going to do things against your consent. And you're just, you know, just like stuck in these situations in which your body and yourself are not aligned and are not thinking the same thing. Um, and that's that's the, that's the central gameplay mechanic that I've been exploring and prototyping a lot with and trying to figure out like what's the kind of story that's conducive to this kind of narrative because it is a very particular kind of story. Um, and yeah, I just finished writing like I guess the first episode because I guess this would be a series. And now I just have to really gather the energy and the courage
0: to build the whole thing on
1: with again like no money and just hope that it it can work out
0: <laughs> oh man you're doing um yeah i mean if it if it's uh, it sounds very promising like i um i love comedy um that's why i'm also looking forward to moving to berlin um of the reasons um and and um yeah i hope you you know you you quickly get the energy to do it i would love to to see what's going to come out um thanks me too (laughs) is it going to have like the again like a um, asynchronous multiplayer or like social component or just time no no okay
1: no not really Yeah, it's, it's a single player thing it's about your own it's about you having a very unique relationship with your own body in
0: this case Okay. Super interesting. I can see, you know, if you think about this space of comedy or maybe performance art, um, I know it's not ex- exactly what you're um, doing, but like, you know, it's it's a tangent um, in VR. Like I can see, I don't know how exactly, but I can see different things happening in this space also where, um, I don't know, like um, the under. The under presents was a little bit in this direction, I think. Um, have you tried that one out?
1: Uh, I actually haven't tried the under yet I, I always assumed that they were just trying to do sleep no more in virtual reality, and I never gave the app a chance, but I totally okay. should
0: yeah it's um, um it's it's fun. um I haven't spent too much time in it, but it's um I, I want to do more. i mean the problem is there are so many cool VR games I don't have time to. I would like to spend the whole day in different VR games, but no, that's not realistic. Um, so do you think in terms of kind of like performance art or comedy, like live shows, is that something that um, we'll see more and more in VR happening?
1: Um, I, I think stuff like the under is actually, even though I haven't gotten to experience it yet, as how, you know, as the, the experiences they've executed, um, I, I do mm-hmm. think that it's one of the most promising new formats and it makes complete sense. Um, mixing real world actors with, with, you know, actual interactive experiences um, is it is extremely native to virtual reality as a whole. It adds this whole improvisational nature to the experiences and it can, and you can create a, like a sustainable financial ecosystem um, to this as well by having like actors um, be, be paid. Yeah. sorry, Siri on the background just started talking for no reason. Well, as I was saying, I I do think it's a very promising idea and that there's like a whole financial ecosystem um, that can exist from that of like, you know, actors who work from their home as actors in VR experiences and people, instead of paying to purchase titles, they pay for tickets, right, to be part of these interactive experiences. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense as a system and there's lots of interesting and fun stories you can do with that. It's, yeah, um, I'm really excited for the format. And I think it's these sorts of immersive theater narratives are definitely going to be a big part of the future of VR. Yeah. What
0: else, what else do you think are new use cases for VR that um, are maybe not so obvious yet, um, Yeah, obvious outside of gaming, um, that we'll see emerge in the next couple of years? Any guesses?
1: I mean that's, that's such an open question. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that we need to be more narrow down specifically, like what kinds of use cases or for what things. Because uh, it's like yeah.
0: Let's see. I mean, if I like, so uh, we can say that you know VR started with gaming as the main use case. So you know what? So if the question is why would anyone buy like a VR headset, then today the, you know ninety nine percent is yeah to play a computer game, right? um but i think as we kind of like as it evolves more and more into like a full-fledged computer platform we'll see professional users productivity users we're already seeing training um like you know like medical training or corporate training stuff um and then um we'll start seeing some social stuff or already maybe with rec room and and co um so the question Mm. maybe is um you know what's do you think, um, you know, are there, what's maybe one of the next use cases for VR that we'll see emerge in the next couple of years? Um,
1: um, okay, I, I will I will take this question and talk about, I guess, what I think are some of the use cases that excite me the most. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I can talk a lot about a bunch of stuff that's more obvious, like telepresence and... Lots of productivity stuff, virtual desktops, augmented reality in which you have like an infinite number of screens at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I am mostly interested actually by how um, augmented reality is going to let us re-engineer live social communication. So, um, how you know, like once you have this added layer of digital magic on top of the world, what kinds of tools can you create that makes talking to others more fun and visually engaging or exchanging ideas or teaching each other's things. Um, like how can you make that magic and how can you make that interesting? And that to me is one of the most exciting ideas of like really redesigning human connection at that level. And I think AR is going to give us a pretty big ground to, um, to do this on, but also with like, Yeah, like hitting on people in VR is going to be amazing. It's going to be like way, way more fun because you can use magic tricks to make things appear out of nowhere. And there's just so many fun potential interactions in that space. So I'm really excited about this AR social layer and how that can improve conversation. And if you can redesign conversation, you're basically increasing the efficiency and the speed and the effectiveness of which ideas spread. And that changes basically how the whole world works, because you, you're, as a consequence, you're touching on how education, um, how human, like how human education works, how ideas are exchanged. Um, you're changing how the political process works. <laughs> so, yeah, I think like at a, at a fundamental level, that to me, re, like re, redesigning conversation in AR um, is the thing that excites me the most. But yeah there's like it, it, you can pretty much look at any industry and um reframe it completely with virtual and augmented reality because it's just the new it's just the next wave of computers, so everything's going to have to be reinvented and rethought in some way, shape or form
0: yeah i agree um, i mean the the conversation part is i think is really interesting to think about i that's i haven't thought about that that much but i guess if you say like a kind of like a layer you, you mentioned like a layer of ar on the real world how how would that work like people like reality is augmented at specific points with um with intra um kind of like digital objects or how you know how would that um how would you envision that
1: um, w- with the case of like the, the actual, the whole conversation bit. Yeah. Well, it's, so, um, w- one of the things about augmented reality computing is that you want things to be contextual in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the sense that it's, you know, you're only showing the information that people need to see when they need to see it. So, um, like that definitely, I don't, I don't see like a, I don't see AR becoming like a dystopian world where we're just surrounded by a bunch of digital things everywhere it's more of like things appear in and out as they become relevant to whatever it is that you're doing the it's the the whole premise of this is that this is supposed to help you not make life o- overwhelming um and the, the i guess that the key the key idea is, is 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 really like i guess mixing um voice-based interfaces with um, the ability to draw things on the air um, or like, or having like augmented reality headsets that as you're talking about certain subjects, it's basically creating all of these, um, all of these holographic interactive objects that you can pick up and use to illustrate ideas on the spot as, as you're talking. So if I'm teaching you how, um, basically how an airplane um, takes off and what the mechanics of that are, as we're talking about it, the visuals are just like appearing all around us, and I can pick them up and interact with them to mm-hmm. to make ideas, you know, to to make the to make it easier for me to teach you something. Or if I want, if if I think you're pretty and I want to give you a flower, I can just like maybe open my hand and a flower grows out of it, and I can give that to you. Mm-hmm. So it's really that these the the, the, the the in and out in and out flow of ideas and visuals and interactive objects that are relevant to the ongoing conversation and using a mixture of AI and voice recognition to figure out exactly what kinds of digital objects would make the social interaction better right now at this moment, I guess. It would be better if I could give you visuals, but I'm trying to explain the best that I can with
0: Yeah, voice. If, if you only had um, some AR <laughs> already here today.
1: Yeah. Um, me, me, and our colleague. Um, actually, we've we, we've gotten to the point that we prototyped a couple of these ideas. Um, and Aiden Wolf, actually, um, he a lot of those. He's applying a lot of the, uh, the 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 concepts that we're talking about into his augmented reality app called Doodle Lens. So I guess it's like it's a, it's a nice demonstration of some of the concepts that we're using, at least when it comes to um, creating content very very quickly. Um, using very very native human you know gestures and acts to create ideas and allow them to be transferred to others like super fast
0: yeah i've um i've heard of doodle lens and never tried it actually looks cool
1: oh yeah it's pretty amazing
0: (laughs) i need to download it um speaking of so what, what do you think what kind of devices will we have then um in this in this world you know um, we have like AR AR glasses and then like separate VR glasses or what what will happen?
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's going to transition from, you know, goggles into glasses pretty gradually. Um, some companies are going to basically, um, some companies are going to be like Magic Leap in which they are going to put in, try to put in a whole computing platform um, into into the gog- like goggles slash glass um, form factor from the beginning. And others, other companies like Snapchat are going to approach it from the other end of the spectrum, in which they have glasses that do this one thing pretty well. In the case of the spectacles, I wouldn't consider them an AR glass, but I would very much consider Snapchat uh, that Snapchat has AR ambitions, and they're just going, just following this path of instead of putting everything into a device, they're trying to make a device that does one thing very well, and slowly move it into you know augmented reality um, through that direction. So, um, you know, some, some companies are going to try to put in crim in everything they can into, into a glass format and others are just going to focus on the form factor and the coolness of it and make a device that makes less things, but does them, um, pretty better. Uh, sorry. Pretty, pretty well. I look at the, um, have you tried the app Google lens by Google?
0: Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, wait, is that where yeah, you can, I, um, like recognize plants and stuff with their,
1: yeah, 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 um, yeah. Exactly. Not only that, it, you know, it can recognize um, places. If, if you mm-hmm. look at a, you know, if 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 you look at someone's, I guess, um, if if somebody's wearing a cool shirt and you look at it with Google Lens, um, Google Lens can sometimes recognize what what the shirt is and where to buy it, so it can buy it like right away. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if Google releases an AR gla- set of glasses that only has Google Lens, I would totally buy it because I say that already makes me more, more intelligent. I can, look at, like, I, can look, I can look at a plant, as you said, and know exactly what kind of plant it is and what the story behind it is. It, and that already gives people the benefit of like an augmented intelligence, right? Powered by augmented reality. So mm-hmm. yeah, some companies are going to have a smaller form factor and do less, but try to maximize the amount of stuff you get out of the trade-offs of putting something in your face and other companies are gonna to try to do everything um, from the get-go. And as the years progress, all of them are gonna be moving towards the middle.
0: Yeah, and do you, do you think the, that then those AR glasses will replace our smartphone?
1: Um, inevitably, yeah. Uh, the, the honest, the, if anything, the promise of augmented reality glasses is that they make the traditional displays obsolete
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you don't need, why, why would you buy a TV or a, or a monitor or any display at all if you can just have as many as you want, right? And by using, you know, like holograms instead. Mm-hmm. So even at its most basic form, you can still emulate a smartphone. If, if you have augmented reality glasses, you can just turn your palm into a smartphone and have a digital smartphone that works in the way they it, that once yeah once we start to really integrate the com, all of this computing power into our physiology which is what AR is all about
0: mm-hmm.
1: smartphones become kind of useless um yeah
0: yeah and you I can
1: guess. still recreate the smartphone experience in augmented reality if you want to be stubborn but
0: for some yeah if for some reason you, you would want that right and and, and do you think then, kind of like, okay, let's say if I simplify, I say, okay, AR glasses will replace our smartphones and VR headsets will replace our desktop computers or our laptops. Is that kind of like two in the, in the box thinking that, or do you think we'll have just one device that does both AR and VR eventually?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, that's, um, I think that's, yeah, the, the distinction between VR and AR is going to be more of a, just just like a kind of experience, but we definitely want mm-hmm. devices that make both things. And we are, yeah, we're, we're already seeing like, you know, virtual reality headsets that are focusing on having a pass-through augmented reality mode and even headsets that are just plain um, designed to be primarily AR headsets, but that use virtual reality pass-through. Um, so. Yeah, they're definitely going to be the same kind of device, which is why I don't, I don't like to talk about the differences between. Um, I don't like to talk about AR and VR like two separate technologies, but just like just two kinds of places, I guess, immersive app, apps can exist in. One in which you're creating digital content for a real-world context, and the other one you're making the digital content and the context.
0: Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's, that's VR.
0: Yeah. It's almost like a spectrum, maybe, you know, where it's, a, it's not a discrete, it's not a discrete kind of like, mm, yeah, distinction.
1: Although I do think making AR is easier than making VR.
0: Um, Like from a kind of like a technological point of view, making it, you mean?
1: Um, ev- every single point of view. I think AR is just so much easier than doing VR. Um, And that comes from someone who tried <laughs> out both. And I okay. started with AR, but yeah with with, with the AR applications you're really only focused on um on just making it you know a couple of interactive objects that exist in in the real world and there's a lot of nuance and work about making sure that those exist well mm-hmm. but in virtual reality there's just so much more that you have to concern yourself with um, especially when it comes to the whole world that surrounds whatever it is that you're making um, basically in AR you're only focused on the interactive objects and elements, but in virtual reality, you have to create an entire reality, and everything, anything that you do wrong can be extremely distracting in VR and destroy the experience. Um, and yeah, it's I, I I think VR is more challenging.
0: Yeah, that's a, that is a good point. Although, from like um, I, you know, obviously it's harder to make. AR headsets than VR headsets from a hardware point of point of view, which is kind of like the inverse of the software, which is interesting. Yes. Um, maybe, you know, as a last um, kind of like topic, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Um, maybe you haven't thought about it, but, you know, that you mentioned the two different types of um, basically today, you know, AR, you can, you can do it with video cameras, we pass through the the kind of like the the video and then or like hololens or magic lab leap does it on like an optical um approach from the hardware side where you project the light on lenses in front of your eyes from a little Mm -hmm. beamer right um and i'm not not an expert in hardware but i mean there are limitations and like challenges in both approaches do you have any thoughts or ideas in which which will be the main kind of like mode of AR, pass through or optical?
1: Okay, so there's um, like everything is always a stepping stone to something else, and I think like VR and AR are all basically just a very complicated stepping stone for like brain-computer interfaces. So mm-hmm. it's I think it's important to establish that there is no final form when it comes to uh, to these mediums of immersive computing because now that things are entering our physiology they're just going to keep evolving and evolving and becoming more and more immersive and you know more attached to our bodies over time um what i mean to say with all of this is that i do think that pass through um vr has the most immediate potential as an augmented reality platform just because all the techno- the technological problems are like so 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 much easier to solve it's easier to make devices at uh, more, more affordable price points and I think the experience is pretty good actually mm-hmm. it's getting pretty good right now um and you don't have the same field of view issues that you have and there's actually lots of little um there's lots of experiences in vr that you can do and little tricks that in, in, in vr pass-through that you can do and you can't do in you know devices like the magic leap one and etc uh, because with vr pass-through I basically have Um, I can edit every single pixel that you see, right? So I still have full reign over your environment. I can make you live in a version of your world that is black and white and turns your home into like this noir set, right? Mm -hmm. But with the Magic Leap, because I don't have control over every single pixel, I just have this additive layer that I add on top of the world. I can't make your world black and white. I can add things to your world, but I can't just like, change the whole look of it. So there's actually more things that you can do um, with pass-through VR than, you know, optical AR right now. But those are also just, like, temporary problems. As soon as we find ways, new ways to do augmented reality headsets that don't involve, like, strapping an entire box to your face, we'll naturally transition into those because, you know, it's hard to talk to someone when you have a box in your face. So I do think that the pass-through VR is actually going to be way more impactful than most people realize in, like, the next five years, especially. Yeah. But we're going to transition slowly out of them into, into optical solutions. But the, cha- the, the, the te- technological challenges there are still very, very complicated. Um, it's, yeah, it's, having glasses in the next couple of years is going to be very hard without making some serious sacrifices.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I think that's a good I think it's a fair assessment and this, I I like, you know, the stepping stone thought that you say okay, in the in the end um it's like the brain machine interface will will be the thing because why do we need any kind of like external input when we can just simulate stuff directly in the brain. <laughs> that's
1: uh yeah, exactly. We can skip the you know, right now we're just designing Input for our sensory system, but if we
0: could skip the middlemen,
1: we could just design a bunch of new senses instead.
0: Yeah, and then also all the haptic gloves and bodysuits will be <laughs> redundant. And yeah, yes, yes they will look
1: very. They will not age well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also I seriously believe that like you know like all these walking shoes and treadmills are just, they're not gonna, we're just gonna not do them and then um, keep the joystick locomotion and then, um, and then, uh, yeah, have a brain machine interface where it doesn't really matter in the end.
1: Uh, Yeah. Or you can design experiences where, you know, that kind of motion is not the focus.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. But the treadmill stuff is, I'm very skeptical of it. Um, as, you know, there's some use cases for like physical therapy. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I definitely don't see a world where people have VR thread t- tre- treadmills <laughs> at home.
0: Well, um, I, I certainly hope not. I mean, you know, people already have those ugly exercise bikes and pelotons and whatnot. Um, let's not add another ugly thing into the home.
1: Yeah, I also think that like, some people are going to disagree with me, but I think that movies um, are terrible at, at at like at predicting the future. So if something is like an established idea in sci-fi, it means that it's probably not how things are going to go down. Just because from what I have been learning is that the future is always kind of like these unintuitive ideas that become intuitive over time. Like mm-hmm. the we all know what the internet is and kind of like how it works. But there was a time in which if you told somebody that the internet would exist, you would be like, what, what the hell are you talking about? It just makes no sense. So when something is, is in sci-fi everywhere and you saw stuff like, you know, like in, in Ready Player One, but there's like VR treadmills in like lots of movies from like the 90s and 80s. Mm-hmm. That means that everyone agrees that this is an intuitive idea of the future. And that means it's probably not going to go down as everyone expects it to. Because if everyone agrees, it means that there's information that's missing things that we don't know about today, like back then that we know about now. Um, so yeah, if everyone starts to agree about how the future of something looks like, and if it's in sci-fi, it probably means it's not going to be that way, which is why I disagree with social VR. Cause everyone seems to have agreed on what social VR looks like. And that means that there's certain keys, information uh, keys, pieces of information, like the whole asynchronous stuff I talked about, that people are overlooking.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you know that's also the same with um, with with what we talked in uh, in the beginning, where um, if you work on an idea and everyone seems to agree that it's a good idea, there's a there's a high chance that it's not. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, I think yes, I think that's a uh, good end to our conversation. Um, ha- having come full circle. <laughs> Um, I want to thank you very much, Lucas, for taking time being on the show.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for the talk.